everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bomb. I am your host, Keith Berkelhammer, and tonight we got something different going on here. Let me tell you. First of all, we're doing the show in front of one of my fish tanks, so that's pretty cool. Second of all, my wife is actually running the live stream, and I have no idea if we're even actually on the air on YouTube, so that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Thirdly, got the dog down here, and hopefully he's not going to pull a cord out of the camera. <laughs> and fourth, I got my buddy Dr. Rob Williams here, who's actually going to be hosting the show. I'm going to be turning it over to Rob, and I'm going to be the guest. But um, before we do that, well, Rob, welcome to uh, to the show here, and welcome to the uh, Reef Bomb uh, Den. Keith, this is so, so cool to see and hear what you got going on. Right. I mean, a lot of you viewers are, are probably uh, subscribers to my channel, so, and, and you've seen the tanks, but um, yeah, for those of you that don't know what my tanks are all about, you could actually catch a, um, a live webcam of this tank on YouTube to, uh, to get some great uh, footage of that, uh, that reef tank. But this is really cool, Rob. I mean, it, um, it's, it's interesting because Rob and I met when I was running MRV TV, which is Manor Valley Television. The public access TV station here in Vermont, and Rob was on the board. You're still on the board, right? I'm still on the board. You're still on the board, yeah. But but Rob's a very very interesting guy. He has a lot of projects going on. Rob, I don't know. You want to explain some of the projects you got going on in your life? I'll be brief. Um, I'm a university professor, a newspaper publisher, a musician. And I'm just about to launch a breathwork company called Peak Flow. And uh, like most Vermonters, I wear many hats happily. And it's so fantastic to be in the, the cave or, or maybe the grotto of the, <laughs> of the reef bum. Yeah, it's just so cool. It's so cool. So um, what did I want to say? So this is what's going to go down. Rob has a, has a program mm -hmm. called Plan V TV on MRV TV, and he is going to actually do an episode during this live stream, and I'm going to be his guest. Does that make sense? Makes Does that sense make sense, me. everybody here? Makes sense to me. Wilson, you got that? And the, the dog is uh, <laughs> poking his uh, head between He's us ready. here. He's ready. He's ready. Um, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to try this. Mm -hmm. And... and um, you know, so as always, for you folks out there watching live, please comment, please ask questions in the chat. We're monitoring the uh, the chat. I can see some some uh, familiar faces already in the uh, in the live stream, and we will try to uh, incorporate some of those comments and questions, perhaps. But it's up it's up to Rob because Rob is running the uh, the show. When I pass along the uh, baton, I don't know. Maybe we should call it Rabble the Rob. Rabble the Rob. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> but uh, before I, um, I hand it off, Rob, I do want to take care of a little bit of business and, and thank my sponsors for wrapping with Reef Bum, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I, I really appreciate their support, and I also really appreciate the support of all you viewers out there. And with that said, Rob, the show is uh, being handed over to you. So thank take you. it away. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to the sponsors. So welcome to Plan VTV, the show about Vermont independence. I'm Dr. Rob Williams, the publisher of VermontIndependence.net, and with us remote and in the Reef Bum Grotto tonight, we have my dear friend, Keith Berkelhammer, who's going to show us how to throw it down with the fish. <laughs> so great to have you here. 
It's great to be here. So Rob, I have, and I'm, I'm just really psyched to have you oh, uh, gosh, down here. Amazing. I mean, you, you, you know nothing about really saltwater reef tanks, right? And everything I know, I've learned from you in conversation. <laughs> but to be in the Reef Bum Grotto is really, really powerful. So can we start with a question I always ask everyone on the Plan V TV show? And this may be a question that your Reef Bum audience does not know. How did you find your way here to Vermont? Mm. That's a uh, that's an interesting story. We we had you know my wife and I Ginger and our daughter had been vacationing in Vermont for for many many years and and we were you know skiers and we would come up for like a week during the holidays Christmas week. We started out um, skiing down at Mount Snow. We kind uh, of moved uh, a little bit further up north and good. started skiing uh, Stratton, not, not not much further north. Yeah. And then we uh, then we discovered the valley. I had a um, a friend who talked a lot about Sugarbush in terms of skiing here, mm. and a cousin of mine. He and his wife skied Mount Vermont a lot, so they were um, mm. you know folks that just were in love with the area. So. We just decided to, to, to take the uh, the next uh, step up the uh, Route 100 and, and visit the Mad River Valley, and we just fell in love with it. Mm. And we uh, soon thereafter we we bought a, a condo, and so we had that to come up on weekends. I was working a pretty brutal job in terms of commuting to the city. Um, I, I spent 26 years in the in the media business in New York City, commuting back and forth first in in Westchester County, New York, where and, I grew up. Yes. Yeah. Right. We have that in common. We do. I grew up there too. Yeah. And and so that was uh, that was a tough commute in itself, and and I did that for a long time. And then we, you know, we had our daughter, and we were living in the city. Probably we were actually living at the time in New York City. Mm. So I had a nice short commute then. Mm. <laughs> yes. And and we, uh, you know, so she was about six months old, and at that point in time, I was like, you know what, I think it's. We gotta go to the go to the burbs, go to the suburbs. So we moved out to uh, to Westchester, and then eventually we moved to Connecticut. I had a four-hour round-trip commute to the office for about ten years. Were you riding the train in from Stanford? Am I remembering that correctly, or was it further out? It was um, a station called Golden's Bridge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. right above Katona. Well, yeah, Mount Kisco and Katona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I drive by there, drive by there often. Yeah, actually, yeah. And um, yeah, you know, so. We had an opportunity. Life kind of um, changed a little bit, mm. and and my work situation it was kind of like winding down in terms of the corporate world. Mm. So we uh, just decided to go for it and and do a uh, lifestyle change, better work life balance for me, and just decided to move up here full time. Thank God. Yeah, so glad you did. And we had many fantastic years together working on MRV TV, the Mad River Valley. TV project, and I remember one day coming into the TV studio, having gotten the news that you were going to be moving on, which made me sad, of course. And I said, well, Keith, what are you going to be doing? And you said, and I'll never forget these words, I'm going to actually build my aquarium business. It's like your aquarium business. And I remember thinking, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> That's a thing. And of course, I have been, I have proceeded to be enlightened upon the pinnacle or in the aquarium, as it were. Yeah. So the aquarium industry, I hate to call it an industry because the fish are so beautiful, but the aquarium scene, shall we say, is incredibly robust. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can unpack that um, over the next little bit tonight because 
unlike probably many of your viewers, I know a little bit about tropical fish and aquariums, but not, not much. So now that we have established how you got here, how did you get into aquariums and tropical fish? It was something that um, I did, you know, when I was a kid. My father mm. kept uh, fish-only saltwater fish tanks, and so I used to go to uh, local fish stores with him mm. and check out the uh, the fish. And so it just kind of got ingrained in my uh, my system that way. Love it. And was this in New York, Westchester County, in Armonk? Oh, in Armonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like three towns from where I grew up. I yep. love it. So you and your dad would go to the the fish store. Yeah, and, and um, you know, he kept tanks for, for many, many years, and then, you know, when Ginger and I moved into the, uh, into the city together in our first apartment, you know, I started out with like a 29-gallon solar, actually, it, it was first a, um, a two-gallon goldfish tank that I won, I won these goldfish at the San Gennaro Festival in, in New York City. Nice. And I, I just felt like I needed to go out and buy a home for these, uh, for these goldfish. <laughs> these fish, yes. So it. it was a, a two-gallon, you know, goldfish little tank. That eventually turned into a 29-gallon, you know, freshwater planted tank, which turned into a 90-gallon uh, reef tank. And that was in the city. So that was uh, really interesting. And then, <laughs> then we moved to Westchester, and I got a 120-gallon tank. Oh, and then it morphed yes. into a 225-gallon tank. Oh, my and gosh. Now I've got six tanks. So, so j just for, for my benefit, probably not for your, your viewers are educated already, but the, the tank that is behind us, this beautiful tank full of these amazing coral and these colorful fish, how big is that tank? That's 187 <laughs> gallons. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Like, I, need, I, needed, I need to scale it in my brain. Yeah. So that's 187 gallons. So the tank that you actually were talking about is actually bigger than that one. Yes, that uh, that's five foot long by 30 inches wide by 24 inches tall, and the old one was six foot long by 30 inches uh, wide by 24 inches tall. So a foot that was a foot longer than that one. Okay, so yeah. just to put that into perspective, I'm six foot one, so I could almost I could lie you down. You fit into that. I could lie down in that that tank, tank over there. Which nobody can see right now. That is a big tank. That's a six foot long tank. Yeah, it seems. Is it a little bit less? A little uh, yes it's not as tall more shallow yeah, 20 right. inches yeah okay yeah yeah so these are big tanks yes so when you got up to Vermont did you bring your fish with you no everything was broken down you know so the fish I had to uh, to sell the fish sell the corals things were like basically I was not in the hobby for like three or four years okay yeah and was that weird it was. I, I kind of, uh, it, it was like I was longing for the hobby. Yeah, I, I yeah. missed it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like it was in my blood. And so I just, um, you know, I just kept counting the days until I could start the tank back up yes, again. Yes, I love it. I yeah. love it. And you're a very outdoorsy person. You're an outdoorsy human. Like every time I see you, if you're not in the TV studio, you're skiing or you're riding your bike or you're fishing or, right? So it's curious to me that for such an outdoorsy human, you have this really um, kind of love, passion for these fish that live indoors, live in tanks indoors. Does that does that ever strike you as interesting? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's why I'm reef bum because I'm a ski bum. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I just love reef tanks. So I'm kind of combining the two things that I love the I most. I love it. I yeah. love it. But I'm a big skier, and and uh, yeah. Pretty much try to get out every day during the ski season. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was yeah. curious about the name Reef Bum, and you just answered that question. I love it. So when you got up here and you were kind of settling in, and you were missing the fish and missing the tanks, 
how how did you breathe life back into your Vermont centric aquarium persona? Like, how did that happen? Uh, you know, I just I took inspiration from my past tanks, and I kind of knew what I wanted to do with the uh, the tank. I mean, this whole downstairs that we're in right now was unfinished, so it was you know a concrete floor, mm. uh, bare studs, no wow. drywall. Wow. And so I just had to have a vision, and for this tank, I really you know thought long and hard in terms of where I wanted it to be because it was like a blank slate down here, mm -hmm. which is really cool because I just was able to uh, get very creative. I did not think. I would have a second tank down here in addition to this tank. But it, um, I don't know, man. It's just kind of like organically developed. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, and for, for folks who may be joining us for the first time or maybe have never gotten the tour, we're in the main room in your basement with two beautiful tanks full of stunning fish. And you have a side room yes. as well. Can you talk a little bit about the side yeah, room? Yeah, so the side room is where all the equipment is. So I don't think people can see it in the in the live stream right here, but um, actually, Rob, if you moved out of the way, yes, can I do, can I do that? <laughs> you could just shift, you know, shift a little bit. Ah, uh, you can't yeah. see it. Is that, no, um, okay. there's plumbing through the wall. Yeah. So there's really no equipment underneath this tank. I've got a side room with all the equipment, you know, about 15 feet yeah. um, past us, and so all the water drains from the tank into that equipment room. And then I've got pumps that pump it back in from that equipment room back into the tank. So there's a cycle of water that's going on and it's getting filtered in the other room. And so now I also have this, uh, this newer peninsula tank in the same room down here in the basement that has a, a separate filtration system. And you know, to plumb it, to do all the plumbing work probably took me a good solid 40 hours of work. And I'm not a plumber. <laughs> you know, I've just kind of like learned as yeah, yeah, uh, I've yeah, gone. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just kind of like learn by doing. Well, so th the analogy that came to my, into my mind as I walked into the auxiliary room, the grow room, is that what you call it? Yeah, that's where all the, yeah. uh, the grow out room. So for those who are listening or watching who may be familiar with the hemp or the cannabis industry, which of course is exploding everywhere, certainly in Vermont, um, I walked into that room and I felt like this is a grow room, but not for <laughs> cannabis, for fish and for coral. Well, not fish, just coral. Just coral. Yeah. Okay. Just coral. Okay. Right. So uh, did I not see any fish in there? I was so enamored with the coral. The, uh, the fish in those, uh, they're called frag tanks. So those are the grow out uh, frag tanks. And the fish in there are basically to manage any algae that might pop up got it. on the frag racks. So, so they're like little workhorses. I was going to say, are those fish expendable? Uh, you know, I love every fish that I have. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I certainly feel bad that, you know, I got a 75 gallon frag tank and I got a 50 gallon frag tank. I certainly feel bad, you know, that I got a couple of fish in there that are not enjoying the 187 gallons as well as the 225 gallons. I, I love that you call it a frag tank. Like what, like yeah. what is that? Is that, where's that, where does that term come from? Do you know? Frag, um, frag there's tank. frags. So you put a frags in a tank, it's a frag tank. Love it. <laughs> I love it. So can we talk about the coral? Because it seems like the business of the aquaria, aquariums, yep. is as much about the coral as it is about the fish. Is that is that fair? You know, some people are really into the fish and some people are really into the coral and some people are into really both. Okay. And so, you know, I oh, this um, is amazing. Yeah. I have um, you know, my tanks, I'm I'm I'm, I'm what's called a stickhead. So these are uh, Acropora, um, small polyp, stony corals, okay. SPS. SPS. And um, 
so that's that's my passion okay. is the corals mm -hmm. and and the corals but um the fish are really cool too yeah and the fish you know make a reef tank look very natural so that's what it's all about it's a symbiotic relationship in terms of the fish and the corals so i'm learning so many things i didn't know before about aquarium life so managing an aquarium is as much about growing coral maybe even more so than it is about the fish depending on depending kind of on thing. what you're really into i mean okay. there's a lot of um like i said my father you know started with fish only saltwater tanks mm -hmm. and some people you know just keep fish only in their tanks they don't have corals i mean keeping corals is a very you know complicated thing and i've been doing it for 27 years and so i've made a lot of mistakes along the mm -hmm. way and it's um you know it's not easy especially the uh, the sps and the acropora so it can be um, a very difficult thing mm. to um, have success to achieve success with yeah yeah but it's a challenge and i enjoy the uh, the challenge and you in those tanks in the other room in the in the grow room i love that term for um yeah they're, they're literally you mentioned this before but but you're literally growing coral you use the word splice am i remembering this correctly um, can you describe a little bit about how you and again I'm, I'm sorry if this may not be news for some but <laughs> how do you how do you grow how do you grow coral like grow coral isn't it? yeah so pretty much what you're doing is you're taking some um, what, what are called like bone cutters mm -hmm. and they're um, stainless steel like pliers okay that have a, um, a surgical tool yeah, it looks like a surgical tool okay. and you're basically just snipping off tips Mm -hmm. So you're snipping off like a, a three-quarter inch, a yeah. one inch, or one and one-half inch tip, and you're taking that piece of coral, sticking it on a ceramic plug with super glue, or um, you're actually gluing it, epoxy putty, wow. and you're gluing it to those plugs, wow. and uh, that'll grow into a coral. And so what I do is I'll um, I'll do that, and then online I I, uh, I have a um, a coral store, and these um, you know corals I ship to people across the U.S. So again, this is not news to some of you, but you can, so if I wanted to get into the aquarium business, I could actually contact you and buy individual coral? Yeah. And how would you ship that to me? Uh, it goes overnight in bags in the water um, via FedEx or UPS. That's and typically they arrive in pretty good shape. And you need to be ready. I, I would need to be ready. When they arrived, I would have to have. Yes. Usually next day air is uh, <laughs> the way to go in the morning so yeah, that you yeah. can get them. But, you know, uh, they could survive a couple of days. Sometimes I've had frags shipped to me that have, um, you know, FedEx has dropped the ball or UPS has dropped the ball. And uh, they'll be in the box in the bag for a couple of days and they arrive okay that's amazing even fish i mean i've gotten you know i get all my fish online and so i order all my fish they'll um you know next day air they, they come in they but come sometimes in. there's a delay and, <laughs> and uh, you got to feel for the fish you don't want to be that fish no you don't want to be that yeah. fish yeah yeah so how many so how many coral types varieties types are you growing here in the I probably have uh, between the two different tanks maybe a hundred different types of um, really? SPS wow. coral, hard coral. Wow. Yeah, but there are like thousands of varieties out there of um, different corals. Maybe not that many, but there's um, there's a lot of uh, different names for the same type of coral. So let me channel my inner <clears throat> environmentalist for a minute. <clears throat> there's a film I'm sure it's well known in in your community here called. Um, well, 
there's a film called Chasing Ice, but I'm, I'm replacing the word ice with coral. I think of coral reefs as being among the most fragile of the planets, our beautiful planet, the planet's ecosystems. And yet, what you're telling me here is that you can actually grow your own coral in your basement yes. in the middle of Vermont and then ship coral overnight and it will survive even longer to anybody presumably within mailing distance. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, and the, and the good thing is within the trade, there's a lot of um, what I do is called uh, aquaculture. So you're taking pieces a that are aqua aquaculture. Aquaculture. Okay. And so you're taking pieces that are already in captivity, and you're um, you're fragging those. So you're 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 culturing those those fragments mm. of stuff that's already in captivity. So you're not even impacting you know the wild reefs out there in the um, you know in the world. I mean, there are, you know, there is still a lot of wild coral that gets imported, mm -hmm. you know, into the trade, mm -hmm. and and it, it, you know, that's that's a um, that's been a slippery slope in, I, in some uh, countries in terms of exporting the corals. Yeah. There's been some closures that have occurred. Yeah. But you know, the good thing in terms of what's going on mm -hmm. with the hobby, that the part that I'm involved in is that there's a, there's a big there's a large number of folks that are just. Um, growing stuff that's already in captivity mm. so it's not impacting yeah yeah you know the wild reefs so i never thought of this before but is it safe to say that you could talk about wild coral out in the natural world versus would you call this coral domesticated um i, I, would, I would call it uh, homegrown aquacultured okay. uh, coral that's amazing yeah all right so this is the question i've been dying to ask you but i, I needed to understand kind of a little bit about what's going on in here it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's kind of zoom out and, and globally, can, can you just share a few insights about the global nature of the aquarium industry? Because my understanding, I, I, I did some work on another project a few years back. My understanding is it's like a huge, it's like a huge community of people. Of humans who are involved in this, can you can you talk a bit about that? Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a hobby that people throughout the entire world are involved with, mm. and uh, you know I don't I don't know what the numbers are worldwide. I mean I've heard you know in the United States that there's maybe a million people in the reef keeping hobby, a million reef bums, a million reef bum. Well, you know what, what do you I call yourselves? Those of you who are like aquarium enthusiasts, like you have a reef term? keepers. Oh, I like that. reef keepers. Yeah. Reef keepers. Yeah, oh, that's a, that's a powerful term. Yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, I think um, it, it could be even more popular. And during the pandemic, it became really popular because people mm -hmm. had a lot of time to, you know, tend to their hobbies. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, I personally became very busy because it was um, a lot of folks that were staying at home. I remember that. That wanted to uh, take care of their tanks and, and had a lot of time to, uh, quality time to spend with their tanks. But it's, it's something, you know, I, I get people reaching out to me across, to, you know, throughout the, uh, the world. And That's amazing. It's, um, it's, it's, it's really kind of cool to be able to connect with people, whether it's mm. through social media or, mm. or discussion boards or just kind of reaching out via email. It's, um, it's great. And, and um, you know, the, <laughs> this, this was pretty amazing. I, um, I wrote a book back in 2017. And... Um, it was my kind of uh, like how-to guide in terms of how to keep an SPS reef tank. Mm. I had somebody <clears throat> mail me a letter 
<laughs> hey, look. There it is. I, I might even have the letter in the uh, This is amazing. This is drawer. called, again, some folks may know this, A Reef Bum's Guide to Keeping an SPS Reef Tank. Look, there's a letter in the, uh, the drawer. A blueprint right for success. This is amazing, Keith. Do you see a letter in there? Oh, my gosh. And you got... You got, you got I, I got this... Um, got I got a letter from some guy in Nepal who wrote me. And I think the letter took maybe... No, my wife is trying to dig it's out coming. the letter. It's coming, yeah. Um, I think it took like six months for the uh, the letter to arrive, and and the guy you know reached out to ask me where he can get a copy of my book. Oh, come on, that's amazing <laughs> in Nepal, which some, is the most some, mountainous country in right. the world. It's like who has a reef tank? In I, know. I thought I was with, crazy in Vermont that a reef with tank with the impossible exception of Bhutan. That's so funny. Yeah. So this letter arrives months and months after it was sent, and right, and you responded. I, uh, I I think I, I did send a response. I can't remember exactly how I communicated, but he, yeah. he left his information on oh, all my stuff. Oh, amazing. But well, you, um, can, you can see, again, it's sort of fun to hold up the book and see the tank in the back. I mean, again, my mind is being blown here because I thought it was all about the fish. But you're saying, no, it's not just about the fish. It's actually as much about these beautiful coral. Well, it's so interesting, you know, because human beings, homo sapiens, we get a lot of flack these days for not caring not caring about the planet and this and that. And what you're telling me is that, the, that there are literally millions of humans around the world who are taking the time and money and energy investing in caring for coral and fish in, the, in, in their own homes, which is truly, I hadn't really thought of it that before, but that's astonishing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and, and across the United States, there are uh, trade shows, conferences, mm that um, people go to, and, and I love going to these uh, trade shows. There's one in, um, in, in uh, New Jersey every year that I go to nice. called uh, Reef of Palooza, which they actually just had one in um, Chicago, I think it was. Reef of Palooza. Reef of Palooza. Right. They have one also that. in LA and, and Orlando, I think. Burning Reef Man. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you get a whole bunch of nerds like me that show up and Talk reef. It's pretty cool. That's I think. amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so, can you put a? I'm just curious because people ask me like, huh, annual industry figure like billions, millions. I do not know the answer to that. Yeah, that's fine. I, I do just, not know I'm the curious. answer to that. But it is a, um, it is a big, big business. Yeah, it's not insignificant. No, yeah. no. So, can we talk about fish for? <laughs> can we talk about the fish? Um, so, the fish. What's going on with the fish? I. So I, I, I'm an avid snorkeler and scuba diver. It's been a few years living in Vermont. There's not much of that to be had. Um, but I did recognize a number of fish in your tank, the clownfish, right? Everyone's favorite, thanks to the Disney Pixar thing with the Nemo thing. And, but uh, you, have a, you have a beautiful variety of colorful tang fish. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so what, what do we need to know about fish? I'm not an expert at fish there, Rob, oh. but uh, <laughs> no, I, I can just, tell you, I just all I can tell you is what I like, you know. And, and, yeah, well, uh, what do you like? Yeah. I, uh, you know, so in this tank back here, I have what, what are called uh, wrasses in that tank. Yes, the, um, speck, it looks like there's a speckled wrasse. Yes, there's, um, there's, there's, a, there's a few uh, leopard wrasses in, this, in the tank. Yeah. My favorite is the, uh, the Chiodi le leopard wrasse. It's called uh, C-H-O-A-T-I, I think is how it's spelled. Ooh, I'm, probably, I'm probably getting that wrong. Nice. That fish has actually jumped out of the tank twice. <laughs> and I know That's for all, all you uh, reef keepers that are watching, and I, and I see some comments in the chat there. And, and uh, hey, Chris from ACI Aquaculture. Yeah, Coral <laughs> Farming. Thanks, dude. Um, 
Somebody from the UK is watching. Oh, yeah. Hello, Royal Nano Hello, UK. United Kingdom. Thanks, thanks for watching. Hello. Can Point. we? We're gonna we're gonna knight we're gonna knight some fish for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this uh, this Chiodi leopardass jumped out twice. And I'm going to get a lot of grief, I know, for not having a, a mesh top on oh, this tank. Oh, right, I, right. I wondered about I, that. I can't, uh, I just can't do it. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the first time the Chody Leopard Rest leapt out of the tank, I wasn't here. Well, yeah, well, so what happened? So I came down here and I was like, you know, I always take a look at the tank and the thing was on the oh, floor on the carpet and was actually dried out. Oh. I was like, oh, gee, it's like my yeah. favorite fish. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I just picked it up. I put it back in the tank and lo and behold... No it way. It came back to life. No way. I don't know how long it was, uh, you know, on the carpet. That's amazing. But it, um, yeah. And then um, the second time probably was, I was like, all right, it's learned its lesson. I don't need to put this mesh top on the tank. It's not going to jump again. <laughs> and then six months later, it jumped again. But I was sitting, you know, about 10 feet away, and I just scooped it right up and, and put it back in. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah, who knew the fish were so resilient? But we got we somebody from Ireland watching too. Ah, hello, Josh Muldoon. Thanks hello, for Josh. tuning in. Hello, Josh. Um, it's good to see that the the English and the Irish both keep fish. <laughs> there's there's hope for the UK yet, right? I love it. So I have to say, seeing your your grow room, your auxiliary auxiliary room, um, it, it did look like a tremendous amount of work to plumb that, to string the electrical system. Um, yeah, really, it, it's, it looks like a very, to my eye, it looks like a very sophisticated operation. So you got two tanks here, you got uh, auxiliary tanks there, you've got the fish, which really are intended, it seems to me now, I'm understanding, uh, to basically baby the coral. Yeah. <laughs> make sure the coral is going. I love that. See, I thought, I thought it was all about the fish, but I, I, I'm, I'm wrong. No, Rob, to some of us, it's all about the coral. And the I fish are a side note. But. Yes, I bet there's some people on the live stream who are like, no, it's all about the fish. But, um, well, that, that's, it's helpful to hear that. So I'm curious, like challenges, other than fish jumping out of the tank when you're not home, um, what are some challenges that you face in this industry? It's um, So keeping a captive reef tank is very challenging. I think the number one challenge for me and probably a lot of other folks <laughs> I'm just hold this up. are uh, pests. So pests. there's a lot of um, pests out there that um, like to eat corals. There's something called acro-eating flatworms that will uh, just munch on the uh, the SPS corals. There, I hate them already. There's uh, acro another acro. What was that? Acro eating flatworms. A E W F is wow. the uh, abbreviation for that. Okay. Um, it has an acronym, of course. Yeah. Monty eating nudies. <laughs> wow! They eat Montipora corals. Oh my gosh! If you get those in, that's, those are very tough to eradicate. There's I other. I suddenly feel like I'm at a rave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's other type of flatworms. There's uh, problematic algae that pops up called uh, one big thing that um, I've had in a couple of my tanks is uh, called dinoflagellates. It's a uh, it's like an algae, but it's almost like it's like a bacteria. I think yeah. technically it's a bacteria. Yeah. Uh, Cyanobacteria is another problem. Okay. So there's there's just so many challenges and there's just always so many hurdles that um, you know you need to overcome as a reef keeper. And you know, like I said at the beginning, I've been doing this for 27 years and I still you know have not figured everything out. Hey, Chris, man, thanks uh, for ACI oh, for that, that super chat super there. Chat. All right, so what's Chris saying here? Oh yeah, I have to ask the question. All right, Keith, what's your favorite part of reefing? Um, <laughs> it's good to hear you're doing the talking. Yeah, thank God. Because I know nothing. Who is this? 
ACI Aquaculture. Chris Meckley from ACI Aquaculture. Yeah, Chris, clearly I know nothing <laughs> about aquariums. So, yes, let's say keep the thought. Yeah, so um, if, uh, that was going to be my next question. Um, but challenges. So, dinoflagellates, you've got a lot of invasives that you've got to sort of take care of. You've got fish jumping out of the tank, you got to deal with that. Um, anything else before we move on to his question? Challenges? You know, that, that, that's it. It's. Um you got to have a lot of patience in reef keeping because of all the uh, the issues that you could potentially face and all the hurdles that uh, you, you know you have to to, to kind of jump over. You got to be patient and you got to be in it for the long haul. It's not mm -hmm. a hobby where um, you're in it for a couple of years and and um, you know you, you're going to. Some people achieve success after a couple of years, but it's um it's not easy. You got to really put in mm -hmm. your time and, mm -hmm. and learn your lessons. So you got to take the long view. You got to be resilient. Um, I meant to ask you this before, but how long does it take you to grow a coral from, from a bone-cutted nub, <laughs> if I may? I don't know if that's the right terminology, but... Yeah. You know, it, it depends on the coral. Some corals grow fast, so if you cut like a, um, a one-inch frag of a Montipora, okay. that could be uh, six inches in six months. Okay. You know, if if you're doing things right, right. Whereas if you call, you know, you cut another coral like a, a Tyree Purple Monster is a is a coral that um, is a real old school coral that I have in my tank, and it's a notoriously slow grower. And you know, perhaps that might grow a quarter of an inch in a year or something. That's amazing. But a lot of times, what happens is these corals will encrust on the rock before they start growing up. And you know, sometimes you have to kind of wait out that uh, stage of the process. So, is that a good thing when they encrust on the rock? Or? Yes, yes. Because they're taking. But root. but at times, sometimes they encrust too much, mm. and you can try to do some things to, to uh, accelerate growth upwards. Which is, you know, if there's a little bit of a nub, you could try to snip it off, mm. and and that potentially could uh, jumpstart a coral growing vertically. It's amazing. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So well, let's get to let's get to Chris's what's, question. What's my yeah, favorite? So I would say favorite parts because I'm guessing there's more than one element of reefing that I love that term. I love that action verb reefing. <laughs> um, yeah. So what do you like about it? I think it's the satisfaction of of having that success. It's um, I've, I've, like 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 I mentioned. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing mm, to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think when you can plant a uh, you know when you start off well probably the most satisfying thing for me is starting off with a new reef tank mm. having a blank slate and planting a bunch of frags right so you got a bunch of um, you know one inch pieces or whatnot mm -hmm. that are all planted on the uh, on the rocks the rewarding part for me is like after a couple of years seeing that reef grow and mature that's that's really the uh, the big reward is is seeing you know something that doesn't really look too natural at the beginning because you got a lot of rock mm. And um, you know you got a lot of sand, perhaps, and a lot of open space. Mm -hmm. And then after two or three years, boom, you got a full reef. I mean, this reef behind us, probably ninety-five percent of the rock that's facing the light mm -hmm. is covered with corals. Wow! When it started out, I would say maybe five percent of the rock was covered with coral. It's amazing. So you're literally provide you're literally breathing life into being underwater, and it takes a while. That's amazing. Right. I mean, with my new peninsula tank, I, I just planted frags, uh, you know, over the last few months. And now I need to sit back, relax, and keep my hands out of the tank and stop fiddling. Because mm. the more you fiddle with coral, the uh, slower it's going to grow. Yeah. So, you, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a dance, really. I mean, you don't want to be too... The patient people went out. Yeah. So helicopter parents, snowplow parents, this is not for you. Yeah. And, and, and... 
if you're into instant gratification, all, no. of, you, all of you people on TikTok and Snapchat, you got to rethink this. If you're going to get into reefing, did I use that term right? Yes. Reefing, um, you have to be patient. So Chris Meckley uh, says, uh, laugh out loud. He's usually the one asking the questions and fighting to get a word in. <laughs> Glad you're here to, too, Rob. Chris, I'm just holding it down tonight. David Waters says, only reefers know how hard it is and how many things have to be right to have success. Right on, man. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love for that. Sure. Yeah, I didn't realize that there was such a, um, uh, you really have to cultivate patience. You have to cultivate um I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of. Well, let me ask you a question. Well, yes. I'm sorry to turn the tables no, here because please, you're the host. Do, but um, what what uh, passions are you involved with, or what um, you know projects are you involved with that that requires patience? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I, at the risk of being political, I maybe I shouldn't answer that question. However, well, we got my wife that's monitoring to, <laughs> moderating the chat, so I will say, <laughs> to get snarky, well, then she can handle well, it. Well, so common ground, I would say that this sounds reefing sounds somewhat akin to raising children, because you you have to be patient. Um, the process is full of surprises. Um, I imagine it's a steep learning curve, reefing that maybe gets a little less steep as the more you know, but you're always going to sort of pick up new things. Um, and there is, and this is what I like best about it so far with our conversation, is I really like it that reefing demands patience and resilience. Like you have to be willing to sort of go with the flow, dare I say, um, <laughs> which seems like a good reefing metaphor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm learning a lot. Um, where do you see, I have two more questions for you. Where do you see the future of the industry going? That's that's a really good question because there's a lot of um, controversial uh, things I, going on I, in I terms bet, of and collection. I bet, I bet your live your live chat audience has some thoughts about the future of the industry. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good question, and um, you know, I think. Well, let's let's. Uh, I'll I'll give you an example in Hawaii right now. <clears throat> uh, fish collecting is uh, been halted, so fish like a yellow tank. Uh, before the ban used to cost, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. And that was a fish that was only collected out of Hawaii. Now I think uh, the going rate for a while collected yellow tang might be uh, 250, 300 bucks. Somebody please correct me if I'm, uh, I'm wrong on that. But um, so, you know, that's, that's one area where um, things are, have changed a lot. Mm. And there's lobbyists out there that are completely against the hobby and, and, um, but of course, the hobby itself has uh, lobbyists, and and uh, you That's know I'm not in tune with the uh, the politics of all yeah. that. But there are definitely some threats. You know, there's some threats in terms of coral imports being uh, you know cut off, and and um, but like I said, it's 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 key to be able to have a um, um, you know the uh, the home aquarist and and others other um, coral vendors out there and and. Uh, coral um, farms out there to be able to aquaculture what we already have mm. imported. And would the reason to be opposed to importing coral or fish from, say, Hawaii, is that uh, collectors would go out and harvest the wild stuff? And that right. would put those, is that, right? am I getting that right? Right. And the flip, what would be the counter argument would be that if you can cultivate a global interest in coral and fish, then perhaps you could elevate collective human consciousness around both the the reef and the fish. Right, and and there are efforts 
ongoing to captive raised fish. So the yellow tang that I talked about, those are being captive raised right now. So mm. you, you can you can you know right you know you could buy mm. those that are raised outside of the ocean in in um, some sort of a facility that raises the. Uh, yeah, it seems like it would be a both and scenario, kind of wild and domestic, rather than a either or. Fascinating. So my last question um, for you, and this is sort of speaking to our, this is part of our Plan VTV Vermont Entrepreneurs series. So we've interviewed entrepreneurs here in the Green Mountain State, the once and future Republic of Vermont, we like to say, um, who are following their passion and um, investing their money and energy, life energy to make money and pursue their, pursue their goals and interests. Um, what do you see, what do you see? What do you hope for the future of Reef Bum? And let me say that I remember when you and I first started talking about this as a business opportunity. This beautiful, right, full of fish and coral, as a business opportunity. And I was in a little bit of disbelief, only because I didn't know much about um, aquariums or this industry. But you've been at this for a while. I mean, you've written a book. You're you know you're talking with people all over the world. What do you what do you see for the future of Reef Bum? You know, I just want to continue what I'm doing. You know, mm -hmm. I have um, you know the YouTube channel, and and I and I, I do the uh, this this weekly uh, live stream, and it's very educational for me, and and I I get some great feedback from the viewers that it's very mm -hmm. educational for um, for them. So it's uh, I'm just sharing my journey mm. via the YouTube channel and mm. via my blog on my website. And I'm just passing along what I've learned from my experiences, and if I can help reef keepers along the way, I think that's a uh, that's a great thing. But um, you know, I learn something new pretty much every day in this this hobby, and I think that's uh, that's an awesome thing. And and I think that's the reason why a lot of us are um, are been in this hobby for a very very long time. Mm. It's it's humbling, you know. Yeah. You think you got it all figured out. Yeah. And then uh, something will uh, kind of like knock you off your you know you know knock you off your socks mm. and you could have a tank crash for some reason you could have a rat jump out of the tank you could have something jump out of that something would, that would have freaked me yeah out yeah yeah so chris says here um the biggest struggle with coral farming is running out of space yeah, yeah. and chris i assume you're talking about in in the wild if i may. he's uh, he's talking about i've actually visited chris down in plant city florida and oh, he nice. has a uh, coral farm facility there and and he's um Constantly expanding that facility to try to keep up with the uh, demand for uh, for the product. And where in Florida did you say? Plant City. Where's that? That is near Tampa Bay, I believe. Right, Chris. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so Gulf, Gulf side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, our our UK um, uh, has a really insightful observation. Aquaculture is the future of not only the hobby, but also could be the only future of some of the creatures we keep. If we continue to destroy their natural habitats, yeah. So there's an interesting dance between the wild and I don't know if domestic is the right word, domesticated, but um, yeah, really tank raised, tank tank raised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Keith, this has been fantastic. Um, I feel like we should end the show with me speaking Hawaiian, because <laughs> I speak Hawaiian. I fell in love with coral and. Um, reef fish when I lived in Hawaii back in my early 20s after college. It was my very first teaching job and I left New England, I left New York to travel 6,000 miles to the beautiful coral reefs and the tropical fish of Hawaii. 
And the Hawaiian state fish, as I'm sure many of your listeners and viewers would know, is the trigger fish. Yes. Can you pronounce that? But who can say it in Hawaiian? <laughs> oh, I can. The trigger fish in Hawaiian would be the humu humu nuku nuku apua'a. Wow. Which means fish with a nose shaped like a pig. <laughs> the humu humu nuku nuku apua'a. And that is for all my friends in Hawaii. Aloha. Mahalo for listening. Um, and Hawaii and coral reefing is no ka'oi, which means number one. It's good, huh? Yeah. So this has been awesome. Um, any last things you want to share with our with our audience? Any questions I have not asked you before we start? Um, I'm just perusing the chat here for any final uh, comments or questions. Um, oh, do you believe there's any risk? Oh, we, we reefers we... could someday go extinct. What an interesting question. Hmm. Yeah, that's from Reef and Dive. I, I can only talk from my uh, you know personal uh, point of view. I I, I, don't, I don't know if I could ever uh, see myself getting out of this hobby. The only thing that would inhibit me would be old age and not being able to make it down the stairs to the basement. Or <laughs> well, as long as you're skiing and biking and running and doing all the things, I think I can make it down the stairs. I was going to say I'm not worried. I yeah. think you got another 50 years on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, keep the keep the fish alive. Uh, oh, good. There it is. Yeah, reef and dive. Yeah, yeah. The humu humu nuku nuku apua ah. Very good. Yeah. It's a beautiful fish too. Slightly awkward looking, but in sort of a elegant sort of way. And I used to I used to dive with them on the reefs um, for a couple of years, and I really miss that actually. Vermont is of course spectacular. Not a lot of coral reef diving, no. except in your basement. <laughs> well, we could uh, we could potentially arrange I, that to I where think, uh, I think be a tourist attraction. I here. think tours. I think tours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Keith, this has been amazing. Rob, I really enjoyed this, man. Oh, my God. Thanks for uh, swinging by. Yeah, of course. So good. And thanks to Ginger on the on the production and Mr. Wilson on the floor. I think we finally wore out yeah. your dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let me do it. Should I do our sign-off? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you've been watching Plan VTV, the show about Vermont independence, where every citizen is an entrepreneur and every entrepreneur citizen. Our special guest tonight in his own basement, where the aquarium and the fish and the coral are, has been Keith Berkelheimer. It's such a pleasure to see Keith in his native habitat. Um, thank you so much for watching, and remember, V for Vermont. Rob, man, this was awesome. We're uh, we're still going on the live stream here so on, great. on the Rapping with Reef Bomb. I I'll um, just look at any more uh, comments going through here, but I do want to also... Uh, Again, thank the uh, the show's sponsors, Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine, for su mm. for supporting the show. And uh, thank you, folks, again for tuning in. Um, yeah, that's my book. Shout out to the book if you haven't. Shout out this to up, the book. It, it, it looks really awesome. So my uh, my next show is going to be uh, Thursday, October twenty eighth at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the regular time. And uh, on that show, I'm going to have Matthew from My First Fish Tank and uh, BRS. So uh, I think that's going to be a really, really awesome show, and hope you guys will uh, tune in. Until then, be safe, be well. Later. Right.